Aloha and uh, Happy New Year, Hawaii. This is Think Tech Hawaii, and welcome to this show. This show is the state of the state of Hawaii, and I'm your host for the show, Stephanie Stoll Dalton. Today, uh, our discussion is about beautiful hiking on Oahu, which now that the sun is out, is likely to, to be uh, accessible um, on Oahu. And the, 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 and the show is also about the way hiking here on Oahu is sponsored by the Hawaiian Trail and Mountain Club, the HTMC, as it has been for over a century. Our guest is John Hall, who's been affiliated with the HTMC uh, since he came to Hawaii decades ago. And I wanna welcome John Hall as the representative for the HTMC. Thank you. Welcome to Think Tech and this show. So I wanted to ask you how you came to get involved with the Hawaiian, Hawaiian Trail and Mountain Club at, which is now a corporation also, but how did you get involved with them when you first came to Hawaii? Can you tell us a little bit about your own experience with it? Yes, well, I grew up in Denver and my parents were quite fascinated by the mountains there. And so I grew up uh, being carried up into the mountains and enjoying the wilderness areas, which at that time were much wilder than they are nowadays. And so uh, when I was offered a job here in Honolulu, uh, I only knew one chap uh, here. And uh, to broaden my acquaintance, I immediately looked for any indication that there was a hiking club here. And at that time, the Trail Mountain Club uh, had regular uh, announcements in the paper of their weekend hikes. And so I very quickly got involved with them and started hiking uh, every Sunday uh, with the club. Well, this, this club is very interesting, uh, certainly to me, and I believe to others, for its longevity. Um, it has been in operation uh, since its founding in 1910. And uh, I wanted you to tell us a little bit about how, how the club itself uh, became um, uh, uh, you know, a club and who was affiliated it, who was responsible for founding it. Yes, uh, well, uh, it goes back to 1910 when, uh, oh, what is his name? Uh, anyway, uh, uh, refer to the history of Ray Jerome Baker, who was quite a fascinating character in himself. And in the, up to 1960, he wrote a very detailed history of the club. And uh, it started in 1910 when the territorial government sent a, a group of people down to Australia and New Zealand in order to uh, confer with the tourist people there on ways to increase visitation in the South Pacific. And the uh, delegation that went down there found that both New Zealand and Australian 
Australia had made a considerable effort to develop trails and rest houses and to appeal to the people that wanted to hike and see some of the wild country in their uh, countries. And so when they came back, uh, they suggested to the government that we should make a similar effort here. And uh, oh, what, the guy that founded the, uh, the canoe club, the Outrigger Canoe Club in the Pacific, uh, oh, I forget the name of it. <laughs> Sorry, it might. Yeah, I think it's the Pacific Club. Yeah, and uh, he, he also uh, initiated the, uh, the Hawaiian Trail Mountain Club. And at that time, it was a, quite an exclusive organization. You know, the castles and the cooks and the, the managers and owners of the big plantations and the big mercantile houses uh, were all members. And it was uh, a pretty exclusive organization at that time. And they uh, planned to develop trails in our mountains and of course, they had the manpower to do it too, because these plantation owners, in the day, in the times when they did not need their extensive workforce for the plantations, could send them up to the hills and say, "Build us a trail here," and they would do it. And they'd also planned to have rest houses. They, they had planned to have a periodic houses where there would be a bunkhouse for men and a bunkhouse for women, with a uh, a little um, area in between where they could uh, feed people. And then there would be a resident caretaker and his wife who would look after the places and prepare meals for the uh, hikers uh, while they were visiting there. And uh, so they, they had quite grandiose plans about the uh, development of hiking here. But then, of course, World War I came along pretty quickly, and the bigwigs in town got distracted by uh, somewhat more urgent business. And so the, the club uh, essentially went dormant for a while and then was revived in the early 20s uh, on a much more modest uh, basis. Hmm. Well, uh, um, that's... Uh, um quite an exclusive uh, group that, that came together to establish the club. Were they, and, and then with, with support services, how, that, that made a big difference for establishing trails, didn't it? How did the trails get in place? Well, uh, as I say, they would sometimes send their uh, crews up to, to build trails uh, when uh, the plantation had a slow uh, period. Uh, one story of the most extensive trail that was built here was that uh, uh, this, uh, I don't know, I wish you could think of the name of this, this fellow. Uh, he, he's a very well-known early, early man, but uh, he, uh, I think it was Castle, uh, had a uh, a business trip which took him to Europe. And so he was going to be gone for several months. So he put this chap in a charge of his work crew, uh, thinking they'd just finish the existing trails. 
and uh, uh, this this chap, uh, uh, there there was a woman who had a a crew, and she had constructed a trail from the floor of New Uanu Valley up to what is now the New Uanu Lookout, and so uh, the uh, castle wanted to extend this trail, and so. Uh, uh, this this uh, chap friend of his who was in charge of his crew while he was gone had him build a trail along the side of the ridge uh, up towards the back of Manoa Valley, uh, crossing over the ridge and uh, cutting into the slopes high above Manoa Valley uh, to the uh, uh, trail above uh, 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 Oh, the next valley over. Sorry, I keep thinking Punalu, but it's not Punalu. It's uh, uh, the ne the next valley. Anyway, our crater is over there, and so he he built a trail around uh, to the rim of Ka'au crater, and then down to the crater and along the rim, and eventually down into the uh, valley uh, and uh, out to the, uh, the tramway. And uh, this, this was uh, quite a lengthy trail and they had, had built it uh, to a high standard so that people could actually run on it, much less walk. And uh, for a long time, or for a few years anyway, uh, they had uh, periodic races on where the people would take the tramway to the end of the line in uh, New Uanu, and then walk three miles to the trailhead and up to the New Uanu lookout, and then follow the trail around to uh, the Kau crater and uh, uh, down to the floor of the valley there, another three miles out to the tramway in that valley and complete the circuit. And uh, this, this was a, a trail that could be hiked in probably seven hours or so but the young bucks who wanted to race it, I think the, the record time was four hours, which was uh, a uh, tremendously fast pace for uh, covering that much distance and uh, gaining that much altitude. Is that still, is that trail still um, accessible? No, no, there was a bit of a problem with it. Uh, the state became concerned that uh, uh, some of the landslides uh, along the back of Manoa, I guess, were being caused by uh, the cuts into the uh, wall. And in addition, they thought that uh, we might be contaminating the water supply uh, because the, the rainfall that soaked into the mountains there eventually comes out in our wells and uh, is, is drunk. Uh, later on, they discovered that it took three years for the water to soak through the mountains and reach our wells. So they decided the chance of contamination uh, was being pretty well filtered out. There wasn't much hazard there. Uh, but uh, in addition, uh, there was something called helograss that seemed to be moving up into the forest along the trail. And they didn't want this invasive weed to spread. So. Uh, with between the water concerns and the invasion by uh, weed, 
they decided to close that a section of the trail. So uh, we can still hike up to the new one of the lookout, uh, but there's no longer any trail that comes up to that point from New Guanu Valley. And uh, we did, a few years ago, we did reopen the trail that ran along the side of the ridge up uh, towards uh, Pu'u Nui, but the Manoa section is long gone. And uh, so we have to, Pololo Valley, that's the <laughs> spring that we go. But it, the Palolo is right before that. Yeah, Kali is too far over, so I didn't say it. So yeah, that that makes sense. Well, um, does that was that the beginning of? I mean, I feel like what you're talking about happened years, decades ago, and was that um, a contact with the state or an um, recognition by the state of what you were doing? And did that did from that come your interest in maintaining the network of trail system? the network of trails systems. Yes, we, we would like to have reopened as much of those trails as we could. And of course, a lot of our other trails are old uh, ditch trails that the uh, plantations constructed to construct the ditches that came through the mountains or collected water from the streams in the mountains and bring them down to the sugarcane fields. And so there, there are uh, trails that they needed to construct the ditches in the first place and then to maintain them afterwards. And uh, we have reopened many of these trails and used them as hiking trails. That's very interesting. I would think that um, I was going to ask you if any of these trails had history before that, like as Hawaiian, Hawaiian trails. Trails established by the uh, population here before Westerners came. So, uh, oh, yes, yeah, uh, yes, we have a number of trails, and I believe, according to the state law, that any old Hawaiian trail uh, is grandfathered in that it is still open for hiking uh, if it was a traditional trail. Unfortunately, the state has not always enforced this. The, the uh, DuPont Trail up to Mount Ka'ala, for instance, has been closed, and the uh, uh, the oh, can't think of the name of it, but the the trail that goes down into Waimanalo from the uh, down the Hawaii Kai uh, um, area is is closed also. What, was the Hawaii Kai Trail uh, originally Hawaiian used? Yes, yes, they they use the uh, oh, what what did they call that? The uh, it's it's quite a steep trail. Mm -hmm. In fact, I keep thinking these names afterwards. Oh, Alexander Hume Ford is the name of the man I was trying to think of earlier. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, um, I, yeah, that, that is amazing that, I, I, that the, the traditional Hawaiian um, movement around Oahu really did get up into those reaches of the mountains for their purposes, right? Because of the way their agriculture was organized. So is that, is that one way, one reason those trails are there? 
is that they oh yes yeah and in many cases it was probably more convenient for them to take a canoe and go around uh, but uh, sometimes especially if the weather was foul uh, they would find that uh, uh, going over the ridge or going over the mountains was uh, quicker and more convenient yeah. especially for the people that lived inland a ways well that's an interesting dimension uh, of the of the experience of of hiking on Oahu is uh, I I don't know if you mark those um, in your in on your website where you announce the 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 hikes that are coming up. Do do you make a do you keep track of which ones are Hawaiian or mention? Is there a particular interest in identifying the trails as um, originally Hawaiian? Well, one of our uh, members, Stuart Ball has written a book on the origin of uh, trails. And I believe he uh, calls attention to the these, as well as the ones that were built by the CCC during the depression and by the army, uh, by the military uh, prior and during World War II, uh, because they wanted to station coast watchers on the rim of the Ko'olau mountains where uh, soldiers would actually live in a, uh, a cabin up there that they built and keep an eye on the windward coast in, in case any invasion fleet uh, started to move in. So they, they built a number of trails also. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about the quality and features of hiking here in Hawaii. Uh, and particularly on Oahu, for those who are interested in getting out there, um, and maybe how they compare with mainland hiking. Of course, there's all different circumstances on the mainland, of course, but what, what about Hawaii hiking is important to know before you go, what you will be, what, what should you expect? In, in well, probably the mountains in Hawaii get a lot more rainfall than is typical on many of the uh, mainland trails. And so I generally tell people that if you can't stand mud, you won't do much hiking in Hawaii because uh, a lot of our trails are pretty muddy. <laughs> Not all of them. We do have a few that are like, like the Kaivi Coast uh, Trail is uh, generally pretty dry, but uh, most of our trails, uh, you have to expect some mud at least. All right, and so you mean not just muddy because of the the weather conditions we're having now which is heavy duty rain for several days oh so, yes yes uh, it'll be especially muddy now but even without the rainy season factor they they can still be very muddy and yes yes especially the higher you get why, uh, why is well the, the rain generally comes down on the windward side uh, but a lot of it blows over the Ko'olaus, and so uh, the upper part of the Ko'olaus often are pretty wet also. All right, well, given that, what should you wear in general? If, if, you if you're taking a hike for the first time, well, do you all recommend the, um, the outfit a person should wear or the kind of shoes they should have? What, what, what do you recommend for footwear? given that it's easy to encounter this mud and other sticky situations? 
I, I like boots that are at least ankle high. So, some people do wear uh, tennis shoes, and that's all right. Uh, but uh, uh, there are many places where the mud will get over the tops of tennis shoes. So you have to be willing to uh, and, uh, expect uh, uh, Hawaiian red mud dyed socks if you're going to uh, use them. I, I prefer at least ankle high uh, boots. And uh, I always wear gaiters also. Uh, gaiters, well, gaiters are, are kind of uh, little sleeves that fit over your, your boots and come down fairly low. And I, I just uh, wear the low ones that come up above your ankles and I can tie in place there. But a lot of people like knee-high uh, gaiters, especially if they wear shorts, because this protects them against the uh, aluhe and the, the scratchy things that we often have along our trails too. So this is one place slippers are not very, useful, right? In Hawaii, everybody. No. We do see people in slippers, but uh, we also see slippers stuck in the mud occasionally that have just been abandoned there. Well, oh, well, that that sounds like um, it, it adds a bit of a danger to the hiking situation. If you're not well shod or don't have the right kind of boot or don't have a boot and have something less durable than that. But what what are the other dangers that are, are out there for hikers in, in Hawaii. Are there any? Well, uh, many of our trails do have exposed tree roots. The, the more popular trails that have been eroded for a while will have tree roots. And tree roots, when they're wet, which they often are, can be very slippery. And uh, you can trip on them, you can slip on them. Uh, there are often logs down or branches down across the trail that you can uh, trip on. And some of our trails are rather narrow and uh, are cut into the sides of quite steep slopes so that you have a wall on one side of you and a drop off on the other. And we have had people uh, fall from these uh, trails. Uh, uh, we had a friend, uh, one of my friends, Deppy, uh, slipped off, I believe it was the uh, Waimano Trail a few, well, I guess it's a couple of years ago now, and tumbled down about 200 feet. Uh, not a sheer drop, fortunately, because she, uh, she was more or less slipping down an extremely sleek, steep bank. But it was a bad enough fall that she broke an arm and, and had some other injuries, I think. And, uh, was off hiking for a, a few months at least. So there, there are hazards. We, we have had two people killed in falls during the history of the club, although not, not in the 60 years or so that I've been hiking with the club. So that's a, that's a fairly safe record given how long you've been, the club has sponsored hiking to have just two fatalities. But what happened when the woman slipped down that Steve Polly. So then she she went down there and finally stopped. What did you what ha, what happens? What do you she, she reached the valley bottom and fortunately there were a couple of hunters down there who saw her fall. And so they were the first ones to reach her. And I believe they probably called for rescue. 
uh, nowadays we're fortunate enough to have cell phones and and uh, such things so we can contact uh, the people rapidly. And then of course, uh, Debbie, was, uh, Debbie wasn't alone on that hike. And so uh, the other members uh, uh, retreated till they found a place where they could slow it, safely descend and come down to her and stay with her until the rescue uh, was affected. Well, the, uh, the, the few hikes I've been on with the club, I was uh, very, um, I felt secure or a little safer because you had what, what you all call the sweep, or maybe that's a hiking term, the sweep was at yeah. the point, as well as the leader. So, I mean, all the fast guys could go their pace, but then those of us who were not fast, <laughs> to say the least, had this person in the back so that in case there was a development, and uh, that that was feeling very secure. Did you all generate that protocol or is that general hiking? I, I think that's been a tradition with the club for a long time. And certainly when I lead uh, uh, smaller groups on hikes, we always try to designate one person as a sweep or I have a, an experienced friend who volunteers to be a sweep uh, to keep an eye on the less experienced people. Yeah, very good. All right, then going on about the dangers, tell me about the vegetational, the the uh, herbal or um, maybe some insect. Are there any dangers in the forest matter? Um, spiders, I mean, what do people encounter difficulties there with um, insects or, or plants, poisonous plants or anything like that? Is that something? We don't have anything in the way of poison ivy or poison oak that you need to watch out for. And uh, most ho native Hawaiian plants do not have any thorns. Uh, we do have some introduced plants that are pretty prickly and uh, can be a real hazard, but they're not yet very common. There's, there's some trails where you may encounter them, uh, but they're not one of the more common hazards. Uh, some people are worried about running into a pig, but the pigs in general are hunted enough that they are much more likely to run long before uh, we get to them than otherwise. I've only been uh, approached uh, uh, by a pig once, and that was a, a young pig that was being chased by hunters, came barreling over the top of a ridge and uh, swallowed me and decided to bear barrel off the side of the ridge and go down the steep slope rather than staying on the trail because the dogs were after him <laughs> so uh but uh uh so the, the dogs themselves are sometimes a, a hazard i've never had any problems with them i i i uh find most of the hunters are are quite agreeable people and i can get along with them quite well and the, the dogs are well behaved but uh, some people have had problems, with, especially if they have a dog of their own. Oh, and also, are those hunters using guns? Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, um, well, well, you anticipated my question on the pigs, because those are things that people say are dangerous and that you can encounter, and there are lots of them up still in Hawaii, up in those trails. So that was kind of good news about the pigs, but the dogs and the hunters with the guns. So there's much regulation of the state for, for that kind of activity. Right? I, I think the hunters are well aware that they should not fire guns towards the trail 
or I mean, they use the trail to get into country that is more remote that they're not that is not being hiked uh, because of course the the pigs, as I say, tend to run away from the hikers, and and uh, so a well-used trail is not likely to have many pigs uh, along it. Uh, as far as the danger from pigs, I've in the 60 years or so that I've been hiking here, I've only heard of two cases in which pigs were aggressive. Uh, one of these uh, tried to attack Dick Davis in on a trail. I think that was in Wanalua Valley. And uh, Dick, Dick was a very dab hand with the wilderness and always carried a machete. And any pig that would get too close with Dick with a machete in his hands was a, a pretty foolish pig. And I think this one realized that this was a big mistake rather quickly and backed off. And then the, uh, the trustees of Wanalua uh, got one, one of my other friends who's a hunter to come in and uh, get that boar out of the valley, uh, turn him into Kahlua pig instead. And, yes, yes, um, like the Kahlua pig. Well, by the way, briefly, how big are these pigs if they do appear? You you said you encountered a baby, but a yeah. young, but they, they can get pretty big, can't they? They can get to a pretty good size. The, the, hunt, the ones that I've seen, the hunters, uh, log out, I think it have been mainly uh, 40, 50 pound uh, pigs. I've, I've seen one that I think was 300 pounds, but that was in a very remote area on Molokai that was never hunted. And she obviously was not at all accustomed to people. She kind of stalked out of the mist and looked, looked at us as trying to decide whether we were of any concern in her scheme of things and uh, decided we were of uh, no interest whatever and stalked back into the mist. <laughs> Very good. Well, tell us uh, anything more you want to say uh, to to pre present the club. Um, uh, the the uh, web page, if um, Eric can put that web page up before we sign off here so people know where to go to get to follow up on any of these topics that we've been discussing. But is there anything you'd like to say about membership or um, I, it says on the website that you've got about 500 members. I know they all don't show up for every hike, but um, <laughs> you're always interested in new in recruiting. Yeah. So is there something? Well, well, we do have a clubhouse too. Uh, in fact, we have two lots in Waimanalo with a clubhouse on one of them. And we often will have uh, potluck parties there and slideshows and various other events that uh, uh, many of our members are quite interested in. And uh, to join the club, you, you need to go on at least three hikes during a, a year. And then you are eligible to apply for membership. And uh, it's almost always accepted. We've, we very rarely uh, turned anybody around down. So uh, yeah, we, we're certainly welcome to have anybody join. We're always happy to have you. All right, well, hopefully we haven't scared anybody to death, but um, your record is very good. The club's very safe and uh, and, and well um, appreciated by the work you do for the state, clearing the trails and helping out to keep 
them um, walkable, and um, uh, if not runnable. But um, I really thank you for coming on the State of the State, John Hall, from the Hawaiian Trail and Mountain Club, and to let everybody know that you're out there and active, even uh, though we've just had the rain, uh, you, your website will uh, announce the, the new um, trails to hike soon again when the ground dries out. And this show is the state of the state of Hawaii and it's on Think Tech. So aloha everyone for your time and attention and have a happy new year.